0: This is the InFocus Podcast from The Hindu. Welcome to The Hindu's In Focus Podcast. I'm Zubeda Hamid, your host for today. On Feb 1st, when the Union Budget 2022 was unveiled, there was much hope and expectation for the health sector. 2022 continues to be a pandemic year, with the third wave of COVID-19 hitting the country, and the government had made a commitment to increasing the allocation for health to 2.5% of the GDP by 2025. However, the budget speech by Finance Minister Nirmala Sitaraman did not give the sector much cause for cheer. Though the overall allocation for health went up by about 16%, from 73,931 crores last year to 86,200 crores this year, The centre actually ended up spending 82,920 crores last year, making the actual allocation for this year only about 0.2% higher. The finance minister did announce two big schemes, an open platform for the national digital health ecosystem with a registry of all health providers and a unique health identity for all, as well as a national tele-mental health programme. Digital health has gained ground in the country, especially during the last two years, when most parts of the country were under various lockdowns. The push to boost mental health, which has for too long not received the attention it needs in the country, has also been welcomed. But what happens to primary health care in urban and rural areas, the need for which was badly felt during the devastating second wave of the pandemic last year? And how many can still afford quality healthcare in the country? How has the National Health Insurance Scheme worked and what is its budgetary allocation? And has enough money been allocated to sanitation and hygiene, pollution mitigation and nutrition, all of which are crucial to improving our health indicators? To speak to us about this and more, we have with us today Avani Kapoor, a fellow at the Centre for Policy Research and LEAD Accountability Initiative. Good morning Avni, and welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast.
1: Good morning, Zubeda.
0: Avni, this year's budget allocation for the health sector is 86,200 crore, which is just 0.2% higher than the revised budget estimate for health last year. Does this mean that our government believes that the COVID-19 pandemic is retreating and that we are in a better position this year compared to last year?
1: Yes, it does appear to be the case. You look at a major part of the reduction in the budget, for particularly for the Department of Health and Family Welfare, is the money that was allocated last year for the COVID-19 Emergency Response and Health System Preparedness Package. Last year, for instance, in the revised estimates, there was a centrally sponsored scheme component which was went under the National Health Mission for this emergency COVID response, and that was about 12,000, almost, I think 12,359 crore. But this year, there wasn't an allocation for that. And the package was broadly aimed to be utilized to slow and limit the spread of the pandemic, to strengthen health systems, both at the national level and state level, to ensure disease surveillance systems are strengthened, labs are strengthened, research is strengthened, um, and also, of course, for community engagement and risk communication. While personally, I do feel it's a bit premature to take that call, especially we are in our third wave. Um however, possibly, since the severity of the wave is better and hospitalizations have been lower, the government feels that the same level of support is not needed. But I am surprised, since the package that was announced earlier was meant to be till twenty twenty four and it was at that time at least when it was initially announced, it was re- recognizing the fact that it's not just about immediate response coming at the back of the crisis that we've done now where we have a health system that's been severely tested. This was actually an opportunity to prioritize health. As per government's own data, there are 9,700 people per government allopathic doctor in India. There are 1,926 people per government hospital bed. But unfortunately, in forget prioritization, we seem to be going backwards when it comes to health spending. The economic survey had some really depressing numbers. As a share of the GDP, India spent the same proportion in 2019-20 as it did in 2015-16, which is 1.3% on health. In fact, in 1920, it was lower than the previous year. And remember, we've been committing to spend 2.5% of our GDP, and the commitment is by 2025. In fact, in 2021, revised estimates, and this was the year that we did see a lot of more funding going for health, especially given the pandemic, the proportions, and this includes centre and states, was 5.4% of total expenditure was spent on health. And again, same as 2017-18 levels. So to me, not only was it is it premature, I think that this was an opportunity to actually prioritise health, which has been under-prioritised for many years. But unfortunately, we don't see that in this year's budget.
0: As you were telling us, Avni, last year we had a devastating second wave of COVID-19. And the need was felt for better, more accessible and quality primary healthcare services across the country. This year, the budget has said that the Ayushman Bharat Health Health Infrastructure Mission will see a substantial increase in allocation from 585 crore last year to 4177 crore this year. But for the National Health Mission, there has only been a 7.4% increase in the allocation. How do you think this is going to play out? And... um, Do we need more allocation for primary health care?
1: So the way the budget was given this year, it's not possible to disaggregate where within the national health mission have seen increases or cuts. So earlier what we used to do when we used to look at the national health mission budget, it would allow us to look across the different components. So whether it was reproductive or child health care, whether it was health system strengthening. But unfortunately, this year they've clubbed it. But we did look at the trends and again, they are worrying. So if you look at the 2021, which is the current fiscal year that we're in, um, the revised numbers for that, it's clear that for many of the components within the National Health Mission, allocations have actually stagnated or decreased. So for example, allocations for the RCH Flexi Pool decreased by 9% um, from last year's revised estimates. So that was 6,241 crore was spent. To this year's revised estimates, uh, where it's around fifty six hundred crore. Similarly, allocations for communicable diseases have also fallen by seventeen percent. Surprisingly, and this was what really surprised us, is that even for health system strengthening, exactly what you s- said that this was the the need was for accessible, good quality primary healthcare as well, and health system strengthening has been an important part of NHM, but also particularly for COVID response. Even their allocations fell by 3%. Now, this is really worrying, and while the argument always is that health is a state subject, I think the national health mission has always been an important component because it's a form of non wage funds that is available for states. We know that the pandemic hit a number of other services, whether it was antenatal care, whether it was institutionalized delivery, whether it was inpatient treatment of serious communicable diseases, all of which declined. And again, All of these aspects are things that the National Health Mission does um, cater to. Moreover, we know that India also has a large burden of non-communicable diseases. And again, NHM has a flexi-pool for that. So a drop in the National Health Mission, in some of the components within the National Health Mission, even if we had an overall increase of 7%, is worrying. And 7%, given where we are at, definitely not enough. I think RCH is something that is a big component of national health mission, and it's definitely a priority for India. Even the latest National Family Health Survey data on some of the indicators for health aren't as great as they should be. I think a lot more investment and a lot more thinking about primary health care is very much needed in the country.
0: We have a stark difference in our country, Avni, between some of our states. Some states do far better in health indicators than others. How does how does this play out at the national level in terms of what we need from the budget?
1: So I think one of the challenges often and is this model of centrally sponsored schemes. So centrally sponsored schemes, like I said, are great because they are a form of non-wage funds to states. But I think one of the criticisms of centrally sponsored schemes has been the fact that they follow this one-size-fits-all model. The design of the scheme tends to be similar across states. So. Well, money is going for, for instance, Janani Suraksha Yojana, which is to incentivize institutional delivery. You're giving money to a state like Kerala, which doesn't necessarily need it. And you're not, and you're also giving it to a state like Bihar, which does need it. Now, the argument often is that, well, states don't have to take that money, but that, that goes against typical incentive structures, right? If, if money is being offered, even if I don't necessarily need it, I will take it. And we have seen some states that have been smarter about using that money to augment some of their existing schemes. But for a large number of states, they are heavily dependent on central funds and through centrally sponsor schemes, which often means that you end up taking money despite its conditionalities, despite its tight nature in whatever form that you get, because that is an important revenue source for you. But I think there is a time has come that we redesign our centrally sponsored schemes there has been some work that Niti Ayog is doing and I'm looking forward to seeing this redesigned version typically when we've redesigned schemes we've just clubbed them we saw that for nutrition as well the schemes function as before but you give them an um, umbrella name and it's suddenly you have from 134 you have 66 schemes but actually they are still 134 similarly I think for health there is a need to restructure it to try and think of who needs it? What components are needed where? Especially if we want to achieve universal health coverage in some form or the other. A person living in Bihar should get the same level of health care, at least basic health care, than a person living in a Tamil Nadu or a Kerala.
0: Speaking about universal access to health care, Avni, the allocation for the Jan Arogya Yojna or the National Public Health Insurance Scheme remains unchanged at 6,412 crores. But for the last two years, the scheme has not utilised its allocated budget because of the reduction on non-COVID-19 care under the payments, and obviously because of the limited number of accredited hospitals in Tier 2 and Tier 3 locations. The scheme also does not cover the cost of outpatient care and medicines outside of a hospital setting. So do we need a course correction over here? Are Are these limitations really hampering the scheme?
1: I think when the scheme was first launched, there were such mixed reactions to it. I think on one hand, it was recognizing the fact that, well, people do tend to go to private facilities a lot more. And so you should have some area and some choice um, in the system. But there was a lot of skepticism, both in terms of the amount of money that was being allocated to the scheme. So you're right, the scheme is mostly remained unchanged. And part of the argument would be, well, you're not really utilizing the money. The revised estimates this year were almost half the budget estimates but it becomes almost like a chicken and egg situation often when you don't have enough allocations there is rationing and rationalization that happens on the ground i haven't seen a recent evaluation of it but i do think the time has come that the scheme has been running now for a few years it's time to actually evaluate on the ground what's happening because for me it's a bit of a black box i do get the fact that we know that during the covid pandemic there was Decrease in some ways in lots of the other cases. So we know that hospitalizations decreased for many of the communicable diseases, including even asthma, chronic pulmonary disease and respiratory infections. There were fewer patients initially admitted and treated during the COVID pandemic. That would impact the scheme and they did increase in its ambit the COVID itself. But what's actually happening in tier two and tier three locations? Are people actually getting access to it? What is the process of actually asking for money and how delayed is that i think there's a lot more research that needs to be done there and i would encourage the government to put out they had earlier put out a lot of data and there was interesting research papers that had come out a couple of years ago some of the data is no longer publicly available Um, so i'm looking forward to having more data and possibly having research organizations go out and analyze them analyze it in order to ensure better cost
0: Moving on a little, Avni, the finance minister announced that an open platform for for a national digital health ecosystem will be rolled out. This will consist of digital registries of health providers and health facilities, a unique health identity for every individual citizen and universal access to health facilities. Digital health, as we saw during the pandemic, is gaining momentum in the country, especially when we were all in lockdown situations. How much will this ecosystem help with access
1: to health services, especially in rural parts of our country? So this digital health architecture is something that has been part of the design and they've been talking about it now for a few years. I was surprised, but this it was in keeping with this year's budget, which focused a lot on digital, because it's not something that is new. It's something that has been in the cards. They are working towards creating this registry. As you said, I'm skeptical for two reasons. I think one is, as you rightly said, in rural India. and we don't have an example from health exactly, but even just looking at the attempts to create digital education, it, was, it did have significant failures in rural areas. And it's understandable. You don't have necessarily electricity. You don't have the same kind of level of infrastructure. And there's also this big question of trust. In a different context, when we go out and do tele-surveys, for example, it's hard to get the same level of information that you would get when you're actually physically face-to-face with someone. There's also, of course, strong privacy concerns. So I think that it there is, it's interesting that India wants to go down that route. I personally have some privacy concerns in terms of having this information in one place. At the same time, I do think that there is scope, especially in urban areas. And as you rightly said, in the COVID pandemic, This digital health ecosystem was definitely played an important part in our ability to quickly respond. I do think that in rural areas, we may need to look at more mobile medical units, for instance. I've personally seen them and the ones that go and actually reach the last mile and physically go, that may be the first step uh, before we can actually have a digital health ecosystem for the entire country. Do you think the
0: the idea of a unique health identity, a card of some sort, or at least a registry where all of your health records are kept in one place and is a useful idea in order so that citizens, even if they move from one part of the country, still have access to their health records?
1: My challenge is the privacy concerns. I think we've seen, even with a system like Aadhaar, it's had its pluses definitely, but we've also seen both in terms of when it's misused, but also when the... Inability to have that card, or if that card doesn't work, you actually deny services. We've seen that in PDS, for instance, when Aadhaar authentication fails, that has led to denial of ration. With health, it's even more scary, right? Um, so I, I would be worried a little bit in terms of to what extent, two immediate concerns. One is, of course, privacy. How are we ensuring that that information is private? It is very, very personal information. It is very, very sensitive information. Um, And that is not misused. And at the same time, I'm curious to know how it will work when you're trying to access healthcare. I hope that there is no such concept of denial of healthcare in the absence of that kind of health card.
0: Avni, one of the other big announcements for the healthcare sector this year uh, by the finance minister Was the launching of a national tele mental health program? Since mental health has long been neglected in our country, this was welcomed by experts, especially because the pandemic has caused immense distress. Is tele counseling a good step towards improving access to mental health services in our country?
1: I was also really happy to hear the mental health mention, and I think in a 90 minute speech, and this was one of the shortest budget speeches, to actually focus on it was really important, and I think that. I was really happy to hear that. I think that there is a question. So while telecounseling is definitely a good step, I'm curious to see, I I couldn't really see a massive increase in budgets for it. And that that was worrying. So that's number one that kind of concerned me. I do think that you do need to, often what happens is interesting announcements are made, but the funding doesn't really follow through. And that kind of makes that announcement not have the same weight as it should. But I think Ms. Kavita Rao was in a show with me and she had a really important point. And she rightly pointed out that medicines for me- mental health are by far the most expensive. So while telecounseling is definitely a good step in improving access to mental health services, and we've seen that again during the pandemic, how in both in terms of how important mental, mental health was and failure of having services could have such detrimental effects but also how people could reach out through teleconsultations but i think we need to think of it more comprehensively so this is step 1 but what are we going to be doing about ensuring that medicines for mental health reach the right person they are not expensive as expensive the, the out of pocket expenditure then in health more generally tends to be high so how do we ensure that we allowing saving lives by allowing access to information sorry access to medical care and medicines in a quick and timely manner.
0: Avni, health and well-being are closely linked to social factors such as hygiene and sanitation at your home, to pollution levels inside your home and outside of your home, and access to nutrition. As you were telling us earlier, the National Family Health Survey has pointed out that uh, several key indicators could be improved upon and several key indicators have also gone down in in well-being and nutrition. How has the budget performed with regard to these factors, with regard to, to, to allocating for sanitation, for pollution and for nutrition?
1: So last year, I remember there was a lot of emphasis, um, even the finance minister in her speech spoke about this 137% increase in health budget, because she wanted to take that more holistic look at health, well, which included, as you said, sanitation, it included nutrition, it included the Finance Commission grants for water as well. and. And while the, while I was skeptical, not skeptical, while I disagreed with the 137% number, because that kind, that kind of focused, that didn't really tell us how much was being spent specifically on the ministry. I was happy with the fact that you are looking at health, keeping in mind these other factors that are critical in how the country performs on health and nutrition indicators. But unfortunately, um, this after that speech last year, um, this year doesn't seem to be much of a focus on any of these other indicators. Air pollution found no real mention. We're just coming in the backs of a bad health crisis because of an air emergency and yet air pollution found no mention. And in fact, the LPG scheme, which was one of the ways in which government was catering to pollution by providing LPG subsidies, in recent years, you can see budgets for it are massively falling. So after being the Ujjbalayu, now was such a important scheme for this government, but it hasn't received that much attention in recent years. And you can see that in the budgetary allocations as well. Nutrition at the same time has been a completely neglected priority. Research done by us has found that forget the current allocations, which themselves are not really increasing to the level that they should be. In fact, the allocations for the Ministry of Women and Child Development is, have fallen. Even this Saksham Anganwadi and portion 2.0, the allocations are lower for this combined scheme than the sub schemes that were that it subsumed way back in 2020-21. And when we and again these schemes have even the ministry's own demand for m- many of these schemes, including for supplementary nutrition.